Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Variety and iHeart podcast, The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Coming up on today's show, James Corden. We talk Emmy nominations. He's up for two for Carpool Karaoke and hosting the Tonys. Returning to the Late Late Show set during the pandemic and why he's so excited for everyone to see The Prom, Ryan Murphy's movie adaptation of the Broadway musical of the same name. So stick around. James Corden is coming up after this short break. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Here's James Corden. How have you been keeping yourself sane? Well, I, I look, I, I think it's been a wonderful lesson in gr- gratitude, really. You have to. I, well, my thing, I've been saying, I have nothing to complain about, but I'll give it my mm. best shot. You know, like, <laughs> I'm so aware that I just have nothing to complain about. You know, we, yeah. uh, we, we uh, had someone who works on our show whose husband passed away mm. very suddenly, very tragically to COVID. My, a very dear friend of mine was on a, you know, ventilator in mm. Los Angeles for three weeks and Jeez. has made a full recovery. Thank God. So there's been those moments of just, of really going, I, I just, I'm so aware that I just have nothing to, to complain about. And then I'm, yeah, I, I'm very fortunate and, and children are a wonderful distraction mm. in all of it, you know, much as you can see that, that they're struggling in it. Right. I think if I was, if there was a positive to take from it, and I know that, that you, you will associate with this is that I, I think that we, I know that I've always been that person someone would call, how are you doing? Good, great, how are you? Terrific, excellent. And if there's one positive that I hope will remain the other side of this, it's the feeling of going, of speaking to a friend or not even a friend, someone you might not even know that well and saying, how are you doing? And someone going, do you know what? Not great. Yeah. I'm struggling. Yeah. And that openness is so wonderful. It's such a positive thing to the acknowledgement of things not being okay and the acceptance of they don't have to be. And mm. the best thing you can do is share that with, with somebody else. Yeah. I have I'm really I, struggling. Yeah. I have friends who have never shown any sign, you know, it's one of those where like, I look at a friend, I'm like, you have the perfect life. You're never complaining. Everything's great. And for the first time I'm hearing them saying, you know what? I'm not okay right now. Yeah. Today was a hard day. Yeah. And those, those, the, 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 the spikes in anxiety of it and, and things like that. I think, like I say, I do hope that that's something that, that, that remains. It's like, I've talked to my neighbors on our street more than in the last <laughs> five months, more than I, spoke to them in the, the two years previous to that. Right. And, and so I do think there are pockets of light that you can cling to uh, that remind you of the humanity in all of us, really, you know? And then on the other side of it, you get to celebrate having Emmy nominations. How's that for a transition? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, 
Is it, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people now who've been nominated and is it a weird feeling that you still want to celebrate, you still want to be happy about this, but it's happening in this crazy world where I'm sure you feel this, you have to have a balance where you're not making too much of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I've never really done that anyway. We've had some of the best nights of our careers in those Emmy rooms, you know, like we we pinch ourselves, Ben and Rob and I, who, who make our show, you know, with, with how we've been um, recognised by that academy is, is in fact, I, I don't even know if I can sort of really t- t- contemplate, you know, any of it really. Um, I just think it's important in any of these times, regardless of coronavirus or any of those things, it's important to um, Google Earth yourself. And I mean, and and I'm not just saying this now, like back in 2012, when I was fortunate enough to win that Tony Award, the first thing I wanted to say and knew that I would, in fact, the only thing I knew I'd say if I won, which I didn't think I would, is it's important to understand that there is no such thing as best in any of this. There can't be. It doesn't (laughs) exist. You can be the fastest runner over 100 metres. You cannot be the best actor or the best show. But you can't be. It's impossible. It's only opinion. So it's important to Google Earth yourself and Mm. think, well, this is very nice. And that's not to downplay it. I think all those things are very, very nice. I think they're wonderful. And look, I, I was so thrilled on a personal level, really, that, that the Tony Awards got nominated because, like, we, I really, that was, that was a good sort of, that was a good five months of my life mm. trying to make that the, the best show it could be, such as the, the sort of privilege I consider it to be to host such a thing, you know? So uh, it's lovely to be recognised. It's wonderful. But at the same time, I don't think anybody wants to go to um, anybody's Emmy nominee party because (laughs) I just think particularly not now. (laughs) I mean, the tone, listen, and I'll tell you this and I'm not, you know, I'm I'm always going to be honest with you. I still watch the clips that I shot of you doing the karaoke or the, you <laughs> yeah. know, the sing-along. I mean, I watched the Billy Porter one over and over just to make me smile. And it never gets old. Well, that's really kind. Because I think all we ever wanted to do was, like, it's funny now, retrospectively, given where theatre is at the moment, that, like, when I sat down with uh, David Javabam and, and Tom Kitt, who, who wrote the opening number, uh, we, when, when we worked on that, all I kept saying was, let's write a love letter to the theatre about remember, why yeah. is it, why is it that's great? Why is it so great? And it's great because it's live. And why, why is it great? Because it's live, because it makes you feel alive. You understand that you're alive. You understand mm. that this is happening now and only now in this minute right here. And I, like that opening number from 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 starting on the sofa to the 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 curtain raising and seeing radio city behind and ending with i think it was like 200 dancers on stage yeah. like those are the award shows that i think that's 
I think, and what do I know, but I think that's what award shows should be. I think mm-hmm. award shows shouldn't be just a procession of uh, millionaires giving each other gold statues <laughs> and, um, you know, I think they should have a greater production. I yeah. think they should start with it. I think they should be an absolute celebration of the very thing you're celebrating. And so, but then you can't get too caught up in just making an opening number. You've got to <laughs> play because there's still three hours after that to go, you know? <laughs> so then things like, you know, singing with people in the audience, um, Audra McDonald and Laura Linney having a fight on the front row <laughs> or doing a piece about in the, in the restroom uh, with Sarah Bareilles, Josh Groban and Neil Patrick Harris. Like we just, there just wasn't a second of the show that I thought if we're on, because obviously lots of, many award shows, you know, there'll be, there'll be a patch of 20 minutes where the host isn't there. Or, Please welcome, you know, right. uh, that sort of voice of God thing. But, but I was, I was like, it just is a feeling of going when we're on, let's make sure something is happening. Because I think Mm. that room, I think that room in New York, I think that room at the Tony Awards are per square meter the most talented group of individuals on planet Earth. I I really, really do. Without have to convince me that. (laughs) I really, really do. And I think that that they have to have one night on television that celebrates them, who they are, and what they do eight times a week is incredibly important and more so now than ever, you know? I mean, one of the things I was thinking, you know, you have your nominations for Carpool Karaoke and the Tonys. Mm. Two things we can't have right now. Yeah, that that's sucks. all right. No. Yeah, well, no, I mean, look, it's, no, I mean, the theatre is, like, look, Carpool, I think, you know, it, there's, it's, I look, I love, I love that segment. I'm incredibly proud of everything is done for, for our show. Um, but, it, you know, they, it would just feel odd, I think, to do it now in a way. It's so, it's so, it's so, re- it's so got such joyful abandon. It's so sort of, right. you know, that it, 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 it would feel strange in a way to do it right now and the, the level yeah. of safety precautions we have to take every day and things like that. I'm personally... I have real, like, and when I say this, I mean it, it's, it's genuinely keeping me up at night. I worry about the theatre. I worry mm. about the, the bounce back that, that I hope it can have and wh- when that can happen and how it can happen and if it can happen and, and all those things. And, I, I, you know, it, it does play on my mind greatly. Yeah, you know, it's, that's um... my, my entire career started, you know, doing musicals in the West End or plays at the National Theatre that, that I was very fortunate that they would come to New York and stuff, you know? One of the things that I've spoken to a couple of friends of mine um, in more in the dance community, and they're talking about like, you know, how these small dancing schools, like local dancing schools are having a hard time staying open, obviously, during this. And I keep thinking about the talent, the generation yeah. of talent that we may never get to see because that one kid couldn't go to dancing school and it's sort of just tripped up their whole trajectory. And that to me is such a tragedy. Well, and, and I think it's worth noting the incredible talent that is born in those environments and rooms that go on to work in theater that then go on to provide unbelievable entertainment in movie theaters and streamers and all those things. Um, 
I do think it would be great if the those the, the the companies that are in one respect benefiting from COVID. If you look at price shares, you know, streamers mm-hmm. and all those things. Um, I think some acknowledgement of the the volume of arts and artists that have come from that environment, and I think it would be really in their best interests to. Um, try and support the theatre in that way for for Amazons and Apples and I know I know that, that Ted at Netflix did did a wonderful thing with with Sam Mendes um, because Sam Mendes is the prime example actually you know look right. at Sam won the Tony Award last year for best director nominated for best director <laughs> uh, and best picture at the Oscars in the same twelve months like. There is a there is a line that that, that comes from that world of, of starting your career in, in a live theater. And I, I do think it's important to acknowledge that. Have you reached out to the Netflixes and those companies that are doing well to sort of exactly what you're saying now? Say, you know, help well, us. Well, I out. had a long chat, I had a long chat with Sam about it, and 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 mm. I think I think people are much more likely to listen to um him than me. So I I just sit in his corner championing his phrase and should should i ever be needed i will i would run into those buildings and and do by the way without question don't be don't be so modest you won a tony you've hosted the tonys you have a voice here (laughs) uh, well i if if i genuinely i because i don't know i don't quite know where there was there was a huge worry at home and then there was a, a a which wasn't enough but it was something a sort of a a government uh bailout in a way right. um, to support artists and buildings and theatres and all those things. It's does that money trickle down to the freelancers? Does that money trickle down to the freelance the, the trombone player that yeah. plays on Wicked, you know? And so that's, that's the worry. That's where the worry is. And, and there has, look, I, I have been part of lots of discussions about how to help that. I don't know what's happening in, America with regards to that I don't I don't know I know that it's a much more sort of commercial space in a way you know like right. you know if you look at the National Theatre it starts with a I think I could be getting this wrong a, a 10 million pound grant from the right. government to you know and subsidies and, and things like that so but I do it would be great if there was some acknowledgement from the government because you're talking about a massive industry you're talking about an industry that, that provides huge jobs and revenue that holds That's, New York City together. I mean, without, in, I don't know certainly what happens to the city. Of it for sure, yeah. So yeah. I do think it would be wonderful to see some acknowledgement of that, yeah. So um, you went back to set. Yeah. How, how odd, surreal is it to be on set? Obviously, you know, minimal people there, socially distanced. And then again, this sort of goes back to the question I had before. is like, how do you balance doing the show but being respectful of what's going on in the world? Well, we went back to the studio because we realized, I think we, we had a real understanding that, that this, this, this wasn't going to vanish, however much the president of the United States says this is just going to, you know, it'll get hot and disappear. It's never been hotter in California and it's never been more present. So, um, you know, 
and we thought, well, we we should um, try and make a way. And we knew that we couldn't go back to the studio in in its regular sense, of course. Right. So we we rebuilt a set and we worked with many different safety advisors on how to do it. The majority of our staff isn't there, you know. The, the majority of, the, of, of our whole team that make the show are still working remotely on Zoom. Our show has always been closer to a variety show than it has been a talk show. And that's been very much on purpose. That's like, look, we, we never, ever, ever would shy away from talking about anything, ever. And I think it, there's been great evidence of that in our show. But at the same time, we believe that our job is to, is to be a source of light and joy in the mm -hmm. comfort of your room uh, before, or let's be honest, most likely whilst you fall asleep. And that is what we have always wanted to do, mainly because we follow Stephen's show. So I don't right. think, you know, uh, I don't think anywhere else in television would anyone go, you know, from eight till nine, we're going to have a medical drama. And from nine till 10, we're going to have another medical drama with the same diseases. You know, right. you just right. wouldn't. So, so we, we always want to be a source of uh, irreverence, joy. That's, mm. that's always been our show. And look, that's been harder because, I, you know, we've never been a show that sat and talked for 20 minutes. Right. We, we believe television is a hugely visual medium. We believe it's, uh, and it should have scale and light and joy. So those things, of course, have been harder. Doing Crosswalk the Musicals or um, big roll call song and dances in our studio or carpool karaoke's or, you know, any of the games that we play with our audience and things. So it has been a challenge because there's been lots of our show that it's just been, take, it's been taken away. But then... It's given us a new way of thinking, a new way of talking about stuff. And I'm very proud of the show we're doing right now. I think it looks beautiful. It looks great. And, and I think we're still trying to be that, 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 that piece of uplifting momentum, I guess. It's just to, to go in a, in a world, to, to keep momentum going from what our show has always been running through to, to what we hope it can return to at some point. Now, do you have a dream guest for the return of carpool karaoke? I haven't even thought about it. I really haven't. Yeah. I, I genuinely, no, I haven't. It's been so far from anything I've thought about. Right. I, I like it just, it hasn't, yeah, it just hasn't crossed any of our minds really. We've been so busy trying to think about how we do, do the now. show whilst keeping everybody safe. Right. You know, that is the main priority. Keep as many people employed as you can and keep them as safe as you can. And and that is really the, that is the, and if we can do both of those things, that's enough. Right now, we're going to take a short break, but when we return, Corden fills us in on The Prom, Ryan Murphy's upcoming movie adaptation of the Broadway musical of the same name. We'll be right back. 
I'm Robert Evans, host of Behind the Bastards, and it could happen here. And boy, it does seem to be happening here. I'm going to guess most of the people listening to this are deeply concerned with what they saw happen in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. And I'm here to tell you it was a fascist insurrection, an attempt by fascists to take over our democracy. And it didn't happen in a historical vacuum. There have been numerous attempts, many of them successful, by fascist movements to take over democracies over the last century. In order to protect yourself, in order to protect your family and your very freedom, you need to understand this history and the history of the different anti-fascist movements that have fought, sometimes successfully, often unsuccessfully, to stop the same things from happening in their own countries. The knowledge of this history is important, and it's maybe the only thing that can save us. So... If you are as concerned as I am, listen to Behind the Insurrections on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Here's more of James Corden. The prom was shooting. Did you have to shoot during this? I spoke to Carrie Washington actually the other day, and she had told me she was going to go back. Um, but it, it was only going to be like a half day and they don't want to risk it because she lives with her parent. Her, pa- her parents live with her um, and she had some childhood asthma. Did you have to go back and shoot? Um, no, I had, I had shot all of my stuff. There was a couple of moments, which I think then Ryan decided that, that he didn't need once he'd seen a, a, a pass of it, you know? Um, so no, I, I mean, it feels such a long time ago now it was it was without question the the most joyful time in my working life doing that why film. why I, was that i've just it was so joy it was just joyful the whole time like any day any day you get to go to work with meryl streep is the best day of your life. That's just a, a fact. Like nothing would give me more pleasure than to tell you that she's awful. Um, <laughs> you know, because like she needs any more praise. Um, but it's just incredible. You can't help but it's intoxicating being in her company because she is a constant reminder of what's important in life and particularly as a performer, that you should take what you're doing incredibly seriously and you should never take yourself seriously for a second. So myself and Marilyn, and I've been lucky, you know, I worked with Marilyn in, in, in 2012 when we, uh, or 2013 when we made Into the Woods. Yeah. And it was, it was incredible. And then to get to do it again, with Ryan, who I, I really have, have really fallen in love with to the point where I would kind of run through fire on broken glass to, to work with him again. Wow. And then you throw in Andrew Rannells and Nicole Kidman and, and you're suddenly you've got a gang <laughs> and you're going to work every day with a group of people who want to make something really good. I think we've made a, a good film. The general consensus seems to be that it's, it's, it's a good film and what I love is it's about something. It's a, it's, it's a film. Big, it's, it seems like a film we need now too. I hope so. It's a big film that's funny and fun and joyous, but it's about something, and that I I, I love. But the experience of making it, I would, if I could live one day again, 
if I could go back and live one day again, it would have been, it, I could have picked any of 25 days from that shoot because I have, I've felt so happy in the environment uh, of being amongst people I have so much respect and admiration for, you know? And then one last quick question, then I'll let you go. Tell me about the first audition you ever went on. Oh, man. Um, well, I used to go on auditions basically every week from when I was about 13 to 16, 17. Um, and I never got a single, I never got a single job from 11 to 16. I would always, not always, but, but mostly I would get to the last two or three. Um, and I don't know if this is the first audition I went on, but I, 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 this is one that sticks in my mind. And it sticks in my mind because I had forgotten all about it, but my dad reminded me <laughs> of it. Um, because on the M40 motorway, on the freeway coming out of London towards sort of Oxfordshire, which was our house was that way, um, there's a, a, an old kind of Airstream diner next to a gas station. And I was driving up there. This is fairly recently, maybe five, six years ago. No more, maybe eight years ago. Driving up the M40 with my dad and my dad pointed at this diner and said, I, do you know what I think of every time I see this diner? And he told me this story that uh, I was going for an audition uh, for The Sound of Music at Sadler's Wells Theatre. And I'd already auditioned once and this was a callback and we knew that what they were looking for were two kids for every one role so that you could alternate shows. I think I was 13 at the time. And it was one of them where you, there's like 25 kids for every part at the start of the day and throughout the day, people just get cut and thank you so much, you can go now. And it got to like 5 p.m. So I'd been there all day. It was 5 p.m. on a Saturday. And there was three people for every part. And I, the director said, uh, if I call your name, step forward. And you don't know what step forward means at that point. It's you like know, RuPaul's drag race. <laughs> yeah. So he calls the name calls my name, step forward and says, thank you so much. Thanks for coming today. You can go home. And I remember leaving the room and I was picking up my like backpack and I was putting my like drink and putting my script in there. And I heard these like 20 kids or 18 kids and all the director and musical director all just going, yeah. And they were going, we're going to have the, I remember the director going, we're going to have the greatest time. Rehearsal started three weeks. I'm going to go like that. And my dad said that I walked down the stairs. He was at the bottom of the stairs with the other mums and dads. And he said, I was walking down. And he said, it, he said, I, he said, he'd never seen me look so down or upset. And we got in the car and we're driving out of London and 
he's trying to make conversation and he said I just wasn't engaging with him at all just yes and no answers and things like that and then we're driving on the M40 out of London and, he, and my dad told me and I don't remember this at all my dad told me that he said you know you don't have to do this you know you can just go to the classes after school and you can go to the classes after school and you can have a, a nice time. You don't have to, you can just enjoy this. You don't have to put yourself through all this. And I said, I can't, Dad. This is what it is. And this is what I've got to do. And this is just part of it. And he says he knew then that nothing was going to dissuade me from trying to be a performer he said he just he just knew it and then it was just like well we just got to try and support him as, as best we can but he was like he just wow. he knew that there was never going to be a if this doesn't work I'll fall back on this it was like well if I don't give up I can't fail and look at where you are now it's pretty amazing wow that's really great well that's but also that's what comes from, you know, supportive yeah. parents. Yeah, That's I mean, I tried, I, I tried to do it when I was a kid. I went to dancing school. I did the whole thing, and my parents didn't know what to do with it. You know, I got into a theater company, and they're like, but how do we get you there after school? You know, it just wasn't their way of oh, thinking. I had you know? no idea. I had no idea of the financial implications that I was putting on my parents by mm -hmm. going to these after school things or going into London to audition for something. Cause even if you're going in, you're going in on the train or, you know, there's gas. If you go in the car, train tickets, yeah. 10 pounds, you buy something to eat at the train station. That's another 10 pounds. I had just absolutely no idea, no idea. And the reason I didn't have any idea is my parents never, ever used it against me. They never, ever did that thing of going, they never did that thing of going, I drove you last week to London. They were like, <laughs> we chose to do it. We chose to take him. So that's what we're going to do. And I'm very grateful in truth of those early rejections now mm. because they, they really shape you. Yeah. Because the only difference between a professional and an amateur is rejection, I think. Mm. Because yes, you better costumes and yes, there might be a better band playing with you. Yes, the, the lighting's better, the sets are better. Very often the text that you're reading is the same. If you're doing Little Shop of Horrors in Indiana's Community Hall or you're doing Little Shop of Horrors on Broadway, the text and the music is the same. The only difference is if you can get used to rejection of hearing you're too tall, you're too short, you're too fat, your ears are too big. Someone else was better than you. And if you can get used to hearing that and you can deal with it and you can build a thick enough skin, then, then I came out of school. I never thought anyone really ever got these jobs. <laughs> I thought it was what it was, you know? <laughs> and that was James Corden's TED Talk. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you, sir. You. It's great. You, it's great seeing so you. Nice great see chatting you. with you. I'll Stay you well. Soon, I hope, I hope so. See you. Bye, Bye. Bye. That was James Corden, and that's it for today's Big Ticket. 
Coming up tomorrow, I sit down with Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter to find out why they signed on for the new Bill and Ted movie, Bill and Ted Face the Music, more than 30 years after the first film was released. Until then, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Malkin. And for all your up-to-the-minute Hollywood news, head over to Variety.com. Stay safe, be well, and please wear a mask. See you tomorrow.